Hey everyone, welcome back to our expert series. It is Monday and you know what that means. That means we bring back Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. So we did an extra special off-the-cuff entrepreneur discussion last Tuesday and that got uh, rave reviews, lots of uh, kind of feedback and I thought it should be our opportunity to dig into that concept a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, so first, I think there may be something you wanted to clarify, right, about being a horrible employee. Let's, let's. <laughs> yeah, you know, so when people hear that, they might think, uh oh, what does that mean? You know, yeah. so when I say I'm a horrible employee, I always was. So I was military right out of high school. I worked in the corporate world for a while. Um, so I've got a very strong work ethic. I've got, you know, um, strong, um, uh, you know, sense of urgency, you know, things like that. What I mean by being a terrible employee is, I cannot fall into a system and just do enough to get by. Right. So in a lot of companies that I worked in and in places where I worked, like the managers in a restaurant that I was working under when I was learning restaurant management, they didn't want me to outshine them. Right. So the culture of the company was not to produce the best in me. The culture of these leaders, now the company was different. Culture of the company, they wanted everybody to do their best. But right. these individual people I had over me, they were so threatened by me because, you know, I'm sharp, I'm hardworking. I mean, I was the first one in, the last one out. Right. Nobody would outwork me. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but you are not going to outwork me, right. you know? And, uh, and, I, and I have a strong sense of urgency. I like to make things happen. I like to make things better. I like to find the most efficient way to do things. In a lot of environments, the military is one. That's not the way it works. Right. You know, it's all about just bureaucracy, pace yourself, you know, and you hear people working for like large companies, you know, like IBM and just these huge companies that, that, that you get this bureaucracy at the higher levels. And, you know, you work in corporate America. Oh, yeah. There's a level of bureaucracy where they actually do not encourage initiative, productivity and things like that, especially back in my day. Mm. It was more about just do what you're told, get along. Don't worry about whatever, whatever else is going on around you. And if people weren't doing their jobs around me, that used to make me mad. You know, I'd be like, man, let's fix this. Let's make this the best company, the best division, the best department, whatever it is I was in. Right. So I would get bored very quickly because I knew I could make things better. I knew I was built for more and I could do more. Right. But my creativity was stifled. My growth potential was stifled. And, you know, people were threatened by me. So I was yeah. like, you know, that's what makes me a terrible employee. Yeah. And that's, that is so funny because again, this just points to we're, we're different sides of a same coin. Uh, I thrived in that environment, right? I, I was raised in a economically unstable childhood, right? Where money wasn't always around. So mm -hmm. once I got the college degree and the master's degree, and I kind of slotted my way into corporate America, I'm like, oh, oh, you only want me to do X? If I do X in a little bit, I'm unusual. I kind of thrived in that. And it wasn't until I was 30 where I read that Rich Dad Poor Dad book that I even knew there was a difference. I yeah. was, I'm like, I'm wired for this. I get it because I was very yeah. risk averse. I, um, I mean, again, we had seen layoffs and we'd been, you know, my, my, again, it was traumatic, right? I can still remember it now, you know, 40 years later. So I was like, sign me up, right? You want me to take an extra class, get an extra certification done, right? Whatever it is. Uh, I, I, that was, that was for me. And it wasn't until, uh, that book that showed me there was another way. And it's, it's, it's just funny. And again, people are wired differently. Some are wired like mm -hmm. you and some are wired like me. And it's just, it's just a weird world we're in. And that's what I mean by when you look at your investments um, or if you're an employee in a company, think like an entrepreneur, 
think mm -hmm. like a business owner when you're making an investment, when you're running a business. And, you know, you go back to the analogy of the GM employees, you know, you got a bunch of executives mm -hmm. that, you know, with all these fancy degrees that are mm -hmm. just paper pushers. Yeah. They're not there for the best interest of the company and the investors and the shareholders and the profitability of the company. They're there for self-preservation. Yeah. They're there to increase their salaries, their golden parachutes and, you know, get the corporate jet, right? That's, yeah. That's a lot of the mentality at that big bureaucratic corporate level that you see. Mm -hmm. And you even see it in like public companies today, um, you know, like a WeWork, okay? Yeah. Trying to go public as quick as they can so they can cash out on the investor's nickel. They're not thinking like business owners or entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. If WeWork was thinking like a business owner or entrepreneur, they would have never bought one piece of real estate or leased one piece of, of space. They are a platform. They should have been the Airbnb of commercial mm -hmm. office space. That's all right. they had to do. Right. Create the platform. You don't need to own anything. Yeah. So a business owner thinks that, that way. These guys are like, look, we need to bolster the balance sheet. We need to build all these assets. Yeah. That way we can raise money quicker. Yeah. You know? Go go big, punch out, you know, <laughs> pick up the pieces later. Yeah. And they had a they had a non-sustainable flawed business. You know, there, there's no right. real underlying business there. You know, they're taking on all this space you know, with no users, you know, yeah. versus let's be a platform yeah. and let's be the Airbnb of that. Let's be the Uber of that market. Yeah. And again, I, I experienced that. So, you know, right as I'm getting near the end of my career, I was, you know, I was somewhere between three and four levels below corporate, you know, fortune 500 CEOs, you know, billionaires. Yeah. And you really do not necessarily the tippity top, but if you went down one layer and certainly two layers, right. To probably, I'd call it the, so below the CX, whatever, right? So the EVP and the v, senior VP level, mm -hmm. most of them, you could see in their behavior, they were making decisions that would personally benefit their bonus, their options, their whatever. And when you questioned them on it, man, did the freaking knives come out. Um, that's, that's yeah. Corporate, just, corporate bureaucracy and egotism. Egotism is a worse disease and it's a disease. It's worse oh, yeah. than alcoholism. It's cost more deals it's it's caused more lack of productivity it's there's been more um opportunity lost in corporate america because of egos more so than alcoholism or drug addiction mm. like i mean the numbers are probably you know four to five times the amount of opportunity and, and profit potential lost because of egos and you know so on the on the flip side of that what that instilled in me was i did not want to become a leader manager like what i had experienced Mm -hmm. I wanted to run an organization that freed everybody up in the organization to think and act like entrepreneurs. So I had my people, um, and then the analogy I used when I would talk to people, I say working with me, and I would always say with me, nobody mm -hmm. works for me. Right. I work for you. If you're in my organization, I'm working for you. So when people work with me, you know, I'm there to serve you, number one, but number two, you're an entrepreneur you have your own business within the umbrella and protection of this corporation. Yeah. So that's how I run my businesses. And that's how I do things is I free people up to be entrepreneurs, to think for themselves. I expect them to think for themselves. I expect them to make their own decisions, take risks, make mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And then when they do own it, yep. fix it so that we don't have that problem again, and then put a system in place to keep it from happening and then move forward. So yeah. that's what's exciting to me about the world of entrepreneurship and, and what kind of leader I wanted to become. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my organizations. Yeah. And that's really where I spent the last 10 years of my career was basically running little mini entrepreneur shops. Cause I was a sales leader. I had teams, everybody had their own, it was their company, right? You have a list of accounts, you have a products to sell, you have teams to help you. 
let's go, right? And it was amazing to watch the people that attacked it and owned it versus the people that kind of sat back and let the company do their thing and, you know, picked up the pieces. And, and clearly when you owned your little mini, you know, company X, uh, usually the rewards were outstanding. I, I mean, I, I worked with people that routinely made seven figures because they mm -hmm. owned it. They made the decisions. They, they, they tried new things. It didn't work. They improved. It, it was amazing to watch. Uh, the, and, and many of these sales reps would be great entrepreneurs because they just yeah. kept going. And really what I think a great entrepreneur is, is it's not necessarily that you seek failure, but you're willing to fail. But you not only fail, but you get your ass up and then you learn from it. That's the most amazing thing I've seen. I see some people run into the wall and sit down and wait for someone else to pick them up. Other people run in the wall, they you know, dust themselves off. They go, okay, if I can't go through it, can I go over it? Can I go around it? Can I dig a tunnel under it? Can I blow it up? Uh, it was amazing to watch. So I, let's talk about failure a little bit because I think it's a cost of doing business. I think it's an important part of it. So I'd love to hear what you think about failure. Well, the co cultures are different. So in corporate America, failure can be discouraged because oh, yeah. if you make a mistake, if you fail, well, they're going to come down on you. Your boss is going to come down on you. You're going to get punished. So people are afraid to take risk. They're afraid to produce and do more because they know there's going to be repercussion for that failure. Contrast that with an entrepreneurial mindset. We, we embrace it. We encourage it. And we look for it. Mm -hmm. I want to fail because now I know that doesn't work. So let's fix it and move on. What's next? So I didn't care who did something. I want to know why it happened. How can we fix it? What system can we put in place to move forward? So if you're building a company, if you're doing a real estate venture, whatever it is, you want to find out what doesn't work as quickly as you can mm -hmm. so that you can focus on what does work and then scale that. So as an entrepreneur, you know, failure is just part of the process. It's part of the journey and it's what produces greatness. Yes. You can't be great until you have failed great. And everybody is going to fail. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to end up in bankruptcy. It doesn't mean you're going to lose a ton of money. It just means that failure is something that you set out to do does not work. Now, the big difference is between an entrepreneur and, you know, anybody else, average, you know, employee, whatever, you know, manager, like a GM, those executives had nothing to lose when that company failed. Right. As an entrepreneur, we have everything, everything to lose when something fails because we have it all, all on the line. You know, if you're a private company, once you go public, it's different. And then you, you know, you're no longer personally, you know, uh, on the hook for those things when, when things do go wrong. So that's really the difference between an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is willing to take the risk and to risk everything for a venture, for an idea, you know, for something. Um, and, and that's, that's the real key. And that's where I talk about being able to accurately calculate the risk financially. What is that number? If things don't work out, what is that going to cost? Can I absorb that and continue to move forward? Mm -hmm. And if you can't, then, you know, you may not want to go down that road, but entrepreneurs are like, you know what? Who cares? I'm going <laughs> anyways. Go. I got the idea. I got the vision. This is going to help a ton of people. Remember, we talked about entrepreneurship is about serving and solving problems yeah. for the whole, not for the one. So sometimes it's damn the torpedoes. And, you know, if that happens, I can't afford that to happen, but whatever. I'm not yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I think it's, it, we're in an interesting time, right? I think we still have some more unemployment to come. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I think we are in a, a soft economy. There's a double dip recession threat, at least out there. There's an election coming up where the rules could change. You just, you just don't know what's coming. But I think entrepreneurs, I think entrepreneurs are the answer, mm -hmm. right? I just think about restaurants in general, right? We all have heard scary statistics from 30 to 60% of restaurants won't make it through, right? Mom and pop stuff. Yeah. 
But I am convinced that the, the restaurant entrepreneurs post this event will be stronger than ever. They'll have cheaper leases. They'll have cheaper employees. I mean, the, the future is bright. We do have to get through some mucky waters. Uh, but again, I, I, think, I think entrepreneurs are the answer to what we're going through. How do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and 80%, you know, the statistics are 80% of, you know, small businesses fail in the first five years anyway. So a lot of these businesses were on a bad path to begin with. You know, th this is the great accelerator. You and mm -hmm. I, you know, have talked about the great experiment, you know, this is the great accelerator. So whatever was broken in the economy, it just got accelerated and right. amplified with Corona. So you either get more efficient, you adapt, you overcome, um, and then you move forward. Once we get through this, like you said, you're going to be off to the races. You can consolidate. So if you're watching this and you're a small business owner and you want to grow and expand, mm -hmm. this is the greatest time in history ever for that to happen because you can go take over other businesses that have operators that know how to run it, but just don't have the support in the back office and the structure to be able to do that. So you can come in and let's say you're a cupcake shop. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you're a great business person, you got a couple of couple, two, three stores, well, you can start going in and taking over cupcake shops, get that owner, have them work with you work for you under your system, and grow and expand like that. So well, let's, let's take that analogy one step further, because I like that not only can you take over other cupcakes, but frankly, you could diversify, you could not only take up cupcakes, but then you could do donuts and you could do cakes. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you, you have little these independent operators, and then you can cross pollinate, right? You can take you know, 10% of the cakes that were baked here, put them at the cupcake shop, take some of the cupcakes, put it at the bake shop. I mean, if you really yeah. wanted to roll up a business, you can go from being a cupcake business to a dessert business. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of opportunity there, I think, coming in the future. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And again, a lot of great operators out there and it's going on in a lot of industries. There's a lot of salons that are consolidating. There are restaurants that are consolidating. I mean, Tillman Fertitta, um, you know, yeah. with um, Landry restaurants, that's how he grew by acquiring yeah. other chains of restaurants. So, Bubba Gump, as I people, remember, yeah, yeah, for people that have the capital and have the back office to support, um, you know, in the systems, you know, now's a great time to go in. There's a lot of you know great concepts that are you know available right now for you to just step into and just take them over. You don't even have to pay for them. Yeah, this this again, I I I want to go back to I think entrepreneurship is the answer. Mm -hmm. uh, I do see again. Six, six, problem, five. solution, serving people. How do, I, how do I solve a problem where I can serve people and provide a great solution that everybody's looking for? I'm going to write that down. Problem, what was it? Problem and then into a serve. What was the next first, second one? Yeah, so, you know, how can I solve the problem? So problem, solution, and yeah. serving others. I like that. Yeah, so you want to solve the problem by providing a solution that ultimately serves others. Because as an entrepreneur, that's what you're doing. You're serving people. A lot of people don't realize that. That's what an entrepreneurship. It should be entre-servership. Entre-servership. servership You know, because that's what you're doing. You're right. serving people. You're serving humanity. You're, you're creating opportunity for everybody. Like you said, the solution to the economy, to the economic machine, is entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Right? And all of the big shops start as little shops, right? Every great corporation out there right now started somewhere in this little something. You're so you right. know, whether it's, you know, uh, Bezos' garage or You're you right. know, Steve Jobs' you know, apartment building or, you know, Whatever, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg in the door, you know, and GM. Yeah, you know, you're right. Started Henry Ford, you know, he started out making one little car and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, again, I think, I think, I think this is probably one of the most positive videos I've had. It just hit me like a lightning strike that entrepreneurship is going to be the answer to this. Again, I think we have to get through some dark days in 2020, 
which man, 2020 gets a one star for me. It, it's, it's not a, it's not a five star year. One star. What's a one star year, man. Damn 2020. We've got to get through it. But I think 2021 is going to be the year of the entrepreneur. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely can be. So how about we talk about for those that are listening that are in a career and they're like, man, I always want to do this thing, you know, but I've got this job and I've got yep. these benefits and I have this family. So, you know, I've talked about the right time. There's never a bad time to start. You can always start where you are. You can mm -hmm. start part-time if you've got a passion, if you've got something, especially now with the world we're in with online, you know, you can, you can sell, you know, courses, education programs, you can teach, you know, guitar lessons, artwork, culinary, you know, teach people how to cook, you know, whatever your passion or your skills are, everybody's great at something. Everybody has something that they get paid to do now, that they can produce something later. And, you know, the gig economy, that's changing a little bit, but there's still tons of gig economy opportunities out there for people to fill a need, serve others. So again, think about serving others, filling a need. You don't have to come up with the next widget or the next Facebook or the next Amazon, but you can take them and make them better, you know, and, and take certain things and make them better. And, um, you know, so if you're working in a career or a job and you want to do something else, whether it's invest in real estate, whether it's start a business or whatever, start part-time while you're where you are. And depending on where you are in your life cycle, if you're young and you don't have any kids, you don't have any risk, go for it and go big because you can afford to take that risk now because you don't yeah. have anything else to worry about. You got to feed yourself. Worst case scenario, you go move back in with your parents, live in a car, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can recover. If you've got a kid, you got families and all that, a little bit different. You got to calculate yeah. that risk a little bit better. Make sure you've got enough reserves before you take that leap, you know, full time or know that you can generate the revenue that you need to generate monthly to survive if you don't have the cushion, um, you know, but the thing about entrepreneurship is you can never be um, too early. You can never be too young. You can never be too old, but you can be too late. So <laughs> you don't want to get to the end of your life looking back and go, dang, man, I wish I would have tried. I always wanted to try and I never did. So you can never be too young. You can never be too old, but you can be too late. I like that. I like that. And again, I think we're going to walk into opportunities where lots of creative people, um, I, I'm going to be really excited to see what, what, you know, 2022 looks like, because I think the economy yeah. is going to be stronger, probably a lot stronger. We are going to have more entrepreneurs. I actually think one of the things we're seeing today with the stay at home thing is a lot of the big places are getting bigger, but I, yeah. I actually think what's going to happen is we're going to see a revolt to local. You're going to see a lot of local once we can get out and like socialize and not feel like we're going to kill each other, uh, with this virus thing. So, um, well, it's who's solving the problems right now. The problem is we yeah. can't get out. We don't exactly. want to. So, you know, who's solving those? Yep. A lot Amazon. of retailers are going. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's other retailers. So every store you walk into now, they're reducing their inventory as they should. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, we can order it for you. So every retailer, you know, needs to be online and have a huge online presence. For sure. And that's an easy scenario right now. You know, if you're in a business, if you are a business owner or a small entrepreneur, and you need customers, man, you can reach people on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. It's cheap. It's easy. You just, you got to get out there and promote it and build your online presence. Um, and, you know, let's go back to the, the person who's stuck in the W2 wants to make that transition. Yep. So, you know, how do you do that? So put it down in numbers, you know, make yourself a little business plan and say, I need to make, you know, 10,000 a month, 20,000 a month, whatever it is. And then if you have this skill that you know is going to bring in X amount of dollars, break that down. Mm -hmm. so that you know I need so many sales to generate this kind of income and I have so much time available to, towards doing it. So put it down on paper, make an actual plan and start getting customers, start selling products, start doing whatever your thing is, mm -hmm. figure out how much you need to do, how much it should cost, start with one, whether you're, you know, whatever it is. So it really starts that easy. So it's the idea, 
faith in it and the means to implement it. So you got to put that plan down in action and start, just start taking action, working towards it. If you want to buy a property, okay, you know, I, I'll ask a lot of people, tell, oh, man, I can't find any deals. I'm like, well, how many offers have you made this week? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm like, well, you'll never get a deal if you don't make an offer. So if you want to buy property and you want to start building an investment portfolio, you got to start making offers. I don't care what somebody asks, Yeah. make an offer where it needs to be to work for you based mm -hmm. on the financing that you can get, the cash flow you're looking for and what your return you know, requirements are. You can pay anything you want for a piece of property as long as it matches your return requirements and it cash flows. Yep. It doesn't matter what the market says or what the seller says or what other buyers say. Exactly. What can you pay? Yep. And then start making offers. No, I totally agree. One of the things you get really good at when you, re when you lead sales teams and you have monthly and quarterly quotas and you can get fired if you don't hit your numbers is <laughs> you, you, take your, you take your bogey, right? You, you, they call it a quota. And let's just mm -hmm. make up a number, call it 2 million bucks. What, what I was really, really good at is I would always take that number and I would break it down into discrete parts, right? A $2 million bogey with an average sale price of 500K, I'm just making this up on the fly, it means you got to sell mm -hmm. four. Well, in order to sell four, it means you have to have eight you know, qualified people. In order to have eight qualified people, it means you have to do 16 of these. And in order to have 16 of these, you got to do 32 of these. And yeah. once you break it down into the discrete parts, you realize that a $2 million quota means you need to see 114 people. And then what do you do? You don't track the $2 million quota. I track the talking to 114 people. And, and that's how we always blew out our number. I hit, I hit my number every quarter except two. One, we got really close, but still doesn't count. And one, we screwed up. But yeah, um, yeah. That's so how it's you do leads, it. you know, leads, yeah, leads to appointments, to transactions. Mm -hmm. And that's in any business, no matter what it is. You got to have so many people coming through the door to make so many sales to, to hit your quota. And that's, and that's awesome because at the end of the day, Number one, you got to take the action to drive the leads. Number two, you got to make an offer. Yeah. Nothing gets sold without an offer. So if you have something to sell, you have to make an offer. So if you're self-employed, or I mean, if you're working for a job and you want to get out on your own, mm -hmm. think about it in those terms, break it down and start thinking about how many people do I need to talk to to reach that goal? Even if you're raising capital for a deal, you know, I hear yeah. a lot of people say, oh man, it's hard to raise capital. I can't raise capital. I'm like, well, how many conversations are you having? Exactly. Oh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people. You know, and they're, they're like, oh yeah, I'd love to invest. Well, that's not a commitment. That's not even a soft commitment. No. Okay. Have a system that your investors, they get put into, they log in, you know, their accreditation is checked or their qualifications or whatever boxes you need to check are checked. Mm -hmm. They get the documents that you need to have them review in advance of that offering coming out, like the legal paperwork. Yep. What does a subscription agreement look like? What does your PPM look like? What does your operating agreement look like for a deal? Yeah. So those questions are answered in advance. And then how much money do you have that you can commit right now when a deal comes available? So that, that is a soft commitment. A lot of people think a soft commitment is you, Michael, you tell me, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking for property. Oh, Hey, let me know when you find one. I'd love to invest. People will call that a soft commitment. Yeah, That's not a soft commitment. <laughs> That's like everybody's interested until yeah. it comes time to write the check. Right. Yeah. Kind of like you're throwing, you know, you're throwing a barbecue in your backyard, you know, and people are like, Oh man, your ribs are so good. You should open a restaurant. I will come. Yeah, and everybody exactly. thinks, okay, what happens? They go up in a restaurant, and nobody comes, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's right. Again, that's one of the things that folks need to do. I've talked to several wholesalers, right? People running their own shop and they're, they're always talking about the check, right? The, the mm -hmm. contract. I'm like, no, you've got to break down your business. You don't ever, like, again, I can't tell you how many times we, we always met the first day of a new quarter, a new year that talked about the number, right? In, in our early example, it was 2 million. Then the mm -hmm. next 89 days, I would never talk about 2 million. I would talk about how many people we have talked to. 
because I'm tracking the 114, yeah. right? Um, that's just how you do it. And, you know, oh, by the way, the other small th subtlety here is I would never talk about 2 million. I would talk about 4 million because I'm not, I'm not interested in only hitting my goal. I want to blow it out and make a lot of money. So we wouldn't even talk about 2 million. We talk about 4 million. We wouldn't talk about 114. We talk about 228. That's just how I ran the business. And it's amazing. Once the team gets in that, you know, flywheel, you know, pretty soon you don't have 228 conversations. You have 300. Mm -hmm. And then life gets really good. So um, yeah, I mean, it's every business. business. Once you once you determine what it takes to reach your goal, then it's just a matter of the numbers, you know, yeah. so you know, for every 100 people I talk to x is going to happen. Or for every, you know, 100 people that walk into my store x is going to happen. Yeah. So you just start learning what those are. Then the next level to that is once they're in the system lifetime value that customer, what else, where else, you know, what yeah. else can I sell them? Where else can I be of service to them? How else can I help them in their life? What else, where else, how else, you know, mm. in terms of your existing database and client base, but there are some that are just one off one and done yeah. and you'll never see them again. But, um, you know, those are the critical components of a business. You've got to know your numbers. You've got to know the metrics. You've got to know your business. You have to be an expert. So we, yeah, you can go take over bakeries all day long. If you're a cupcake shop, cupcake shop, but if you don't know how to bake a cake, well, you better yeah. either learn or you better get somebody who does. Right. You know, that can teach you the business and they know what's going on. So you got to become an expert. You got to surround yourself with experts and you got to take action. So that's more than anything else. We can break the numbers down. We can know at the end of the day, you got to pick the phone up. Take action. Yeah. What I would, the other thing I would tell entrepreneurs, right. If again, just use the example of 2 million bucks. I have always found that people want to shortchange the connection between all the activities that lead to the outcome. I would tell mm -hmm. you to it. There's at least five things at minimum. And sometimes if you're in complex enterprise sales, like I am and there's seven or eight things, but there's, you have to track back, right? What leads to that sale? Right. And I would tell, I would challenge yourself to think, get to at least five. You got to get to at least five. It's not two. It's not, I do X, X goes to Y, Y goes to sale. It's never that simple. It's just never that. Yeah. Simple. And for anybody who's in sales, corporate sales or whatever, you know, it's tough right now because you can't have those face to faces and things like that. Take what Michael just said, because everybody has that those steps, that presentation, that process, mm -hmm. record a video, make it nice, you know, use some slides, use a whiteboard, whatever you need to use, mm -hmm. video that sales presentation. Now you've got something that's evergreen that you can send out to all your clients exactly. instantly that takes them through that journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the webinars that you see online for people selling information products, things like that. It's that customer journey process from the time they get exposed to your brand until they become a client. I don't care if you're selling cars, man. If you're selling cars, get out there, make a video on the whole process of that vehicle of what, how it works and the yeah. you know, whole nine yards and send that out to people so that they can go through the journey on their own time, totally agree. get to know you and your products and your services before they ever come in contact with you. So you got to innovate, you got to adapt, you got to overcome. We're in that economy right now. That's what's being entrepreneurial within your business, within your mm -hmm. job. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, is that, that entrepreneur. Now, what about transitioning from business owner? Mm. Okay to entrepreneur, to investor, oh, because that's okay. what you've got. Employee, business owner, entrepreneur, investor. Okay. Let's do it. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So we know what an employee is. Business owner to me is defined by somebody who's in their business every day. So it can yep. be large, it can be whatever, but you're showing up every single day. And if you don't show up, it doesn't really function well. Entrepreneur Agreed. is, you know, generally that's the individual that's not the best at running the business. <laughs> that's the one like me. You know, I'm great at coming up with the ideas. I'm great at marketing, promotion, getting it going. I'm not the guy that you want running it day to day. 
Yeah. I'm the guy that you want overseeing everybody running it day to day. So that's entrepreneur. Investor is the next evolution where now I've got these businesses. I've got these real estate assets. I've got these financial investments. I've got, you know, community organizations and, you know, philanthropic activities. So that's transitioning through the stages. And that's the kind of, you know, what the rich dad quadrant, you know, yeah. kind of takes you cash flow quadrant kind of takes you through is those stages, you know, from employee to self-employed to business owner to investor. And that investor is ultimately somebody who at the end of the day can walk away from everything. Income keeps coming in. Yeah. So that's where you want to get to. You own the businesses, you own the assets that pay you whether you're there or not. And that's when I read rich dad, I was like, I want to be rich dad. <laughs> He's teaching Kiyosaki and everybody else and they're taking over and they're doing all the work and he's kicking back and collecting the money <laughs> and he doesn't even have to show up. I thought I still think I wanted to be. I think that's so funny. You read the book and want to be rich dad. I'm an idiot. Want to be freaking Robert Kiyosaki. Like, damn it. That's I everybody. Rich dad. Wow. That's everybody. Everybody wants to be Robert Kiyosaki. I'm like, I want to be rich dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when you told me that like three weeks ago, I'm like, damn it. I'm such an idiot. Why did I read the book that way? <laughs> Oh, uh, that's just, everybody's different. That's awesome. But yeah, I think, I think the transition to investor, the walk away, you know, the money comes in no matter what, that's really a lot of people's goal. Do you think you have to go through that spectrum? You just can't wake up one day and be an investor, right? Sure you can. It just depends yeah. on where you come from and how you come. So, you know, where that occurs most often is generational wealth. So, mm. uh, you know, family offices and, you know, people are born, they wake up from day one managing the family's yeah. wealth. Yeah, yeah. So it can be it can be that it can be people that go through college, you know, get their education, and then come out and they hit the ground running investing, buying properties that mm -hmm. you know pay them and mm -hmm. build build a company investing in property, investing in companies, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So okay. yeah, you can definitely make the transition at any level from skip the employee and all that, go straight to investor. Depends on what your what you know what you know what your resources are and the opportunities that are available to you. And especially right now, you know, with, yeah. with the companies that are available out there and businesses that you can buy, take over, walk into real estate assets, things like that. There's really never been a better, I mean, interest rates, there's never really been a better time, you know, than right now. That's why you're seeing all these SPACs, yep. you know, special purpose um, acquisition, acquisition companies, companies being yeah. Yeah, put together, you know, to buy companies and things like that. And that's why you're seeing companies merge and, you know, stuff like that. So it's, 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 it's interesting you bring that up because I just saw this morning that we've had a record month for raising of debt, corporate debt. Uh, and it's only the middle of the month. That's, mm -hmm. that's scary. And again, I saw last week there was junk bond, a mm -hmm. billion dollars. I think it was $1.2 billion was um, put out at under 3%, a junk bond. I mean, are you kidding me? What, what, yeah. what, what is going on? There is a lot of credit going on today. So it's, it's, it's it is, you know, money's looking for yield and you know, that's, that's the most dangerous, most vulnerable sector sector of the economy right now is corporate debt. Yeah. You know, and that's where we're going to see a lot of bankruptcies, you know, is in the corporate sector. So mm -hmm. a lot of that debt just get written off and wiped out. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe there's some asset liquidations that, that can repay the principal, but they've maybe. made a little bit of yield along the way. So it's very interesting to me, the companies that are able to finance their debt. Now, a lot of it's being bought by the government, yeah. which is kind of what's driving the stock market and, you know, driving asset inflation right now. It's because the Fed and Treasury are stepping in, buying these bonds, mm -hmm. you know, buying, um, you know, treasuries and things like that, which is putting liquidity into the hands of investors to put into risk assets. Um, you know, so behind a lot of those corporate bonds is the government. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be exciting times. I really am looking forward to 2021 being the year of the entrepreneur. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up today's session? Yeah. So, you know, on the entrepreneurship topic, um, you know, I think the greatest space to be in in the world is to be an entrepreneur because as we know right now any business can get shut down at any time yeah. anything can happen the only real security you have is in yourself um, and in your skill sets and your knowledge and your education moving forward so first and foremost pour into yourself pour into your knowledge you know build your skill sets and you know i think everybody should have a little something on the side you know um to move forward with if if and when you have to and if you want to be an entrepreneur if you want to start your own thing you know just calculate it right so know what it takes know what's required know what you need to do and start doing it now prove your concept now before you leave that job uh, you know a lot of people want to just quit and go do something or they want to skip and fast forward and not go through the processes mm -hmm. you got to prove your concept first and get out there and make sure there's a market for what you're doing and there's a problem that you can actually solve and there's a service that you can actually provide and that that will generate revenue profitably before you just take that jump. Yeah. Very cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time. This has been a great conversation. You have a wonderful week. All right. Yeah. You too, Michael. Thank you, buddy.